I'm Kim Schmidt, Executive Editor of Farm Equipment. Welcome to Farm Equipment's Used Equipment Remarketing Roadmaps Podcast. In this episode, brought to you by Iron Solutions, host Casey Seymour of Moving Iron LLC and 21st Century Equipment sits down with Jordan Kite, the new and used equipment asset manager for Agco Dealer AgriService in Kimberly, Idaho. If this is your first time listening, you can subscribe to the podcast via iTunes, the Google Play Store, SoundCloud, Stitcher Radio, TuneIn Radio, or Spotify. By subscribing, you're alerted when each new episode is released. Let's listen in as Casey and Jordan talk about the strength of the hay market right now, and when it comes to equipment, what that means for the baler market. In agri-services area, the dairies want 4x4 bales, but exporters want 3x4 bales. In response, agri-services started shifting its inventory in favor of the 3x4 balers. I am joined with Jordan Kite, and he's with Agriservice, and he is the new and used equipment asset manager for Agriservice in Kimberly, Idaho. So, Jordan, man, thanks for being on the show. It's a it's a pleasure to have you on, man. Thanks for having me. All right, man. Why don't you give me a little background on yourself? Talk about what what you do for the company, and then talk about talk about uh, Agriservice, what they are, and kind of the area they cover, and and uh, some of the crops you got in your area. Okay. So my background, uh, I've been in the asset management position, I guess, for about just over six years. I was a store manager before that for one of our locations. Uh, Agriservice is an Agco dealer. So we have Challenger, Massey Ferguson. Uh, we also have the Fent line now. Uh, so we have the, basically their whole portfolio of products that they cover. Uh, we cover Idaho. We're into, we have a, a location right on the border of Oregon and Idaho, and so we cover into Oregon, and then we have locations up in Washington as well, gotcha. so that area. Okay. Our main crops, uh, we've got potatoes, obviously, in Idaho is our number one. We also do a lot of hay. We do uh, wheat, barley, and sugar beets is our main crops okay. we have out here. Right on. Do a little sugar beets down here myself, so it's uh, that's, uh, that's an interesting crop. Yeah, it is. It's very interesting. All right, man. So let's jump into this a little bit. So we here just a little bit ago, Aaron Finnell and I were talking back and forth about some hay stuff. And, you know, it seems to be one of the, uh, since this downturn started in 2013 to where we're at today, the hay market's been one of those consistent markets out there. You know, when you start, at least it has been in, in my neck of the woods. It's been a fairly yeah. consistent market. I mean, there's either been a drought someplace or not enough or too much rain or not enough heat units or early springs that, that zap the alfalfa or what have you. And, and dairy quality hay is getting to be a, 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 a bigger and bigger commodity as uh, I just started looking at how, how they're feeding cows nowadays. So I guess talk about your hay market right now and, and, and what you see happening there and then transition that into what you see happening in the overall hay equipment marketplace. So here in Idaho right now, uh, Idaho, I guess I should pull Washington into that because we do a lot up there also. Right now the hay market is good. Last hay report that came out, we're right, you know, 200 bucks a ton for good hay your fair hay's between 150 165 a ton so decent numbers on the hay i mean a couple years ago we got up into that you know 280 it was it was too high i guess Um, so it's kind of leveled off it's been below that but right now we're feeling pretty good about where the hay prices are Uh, farmers are doing well with it we also do the export market the export market is an interesting beast in of itself you know right now you've got japan that wants more uh, India wants more. China's down. Uh, I think a lot of that. China's kind of an interesting. I don't know how to describe. It. I don't even fully understand China and some of the stuff that goes on. But right now, that's low. That's probably affecting us. 
our export guys here more than anything right now. China is usually doing about four and a half million tons of hay. And so for them right now to be down can can affect us for sure. But the dairies here, uh, the feedlots, they're buying hay, which is good. It keeps kind of the local business here. The guys that aren't exporting are feeling pretty good. So the overall, you would say the overall health of the of the of the alfalfa market is fairly strong in your area. Do you talk to some other folks around the country that are kind of echoing what you're saying? You know, I don't. I don't talk to a lot of other guys around the country. I mean, I talk. We usually deal with guys. You know, Colorado West. I would say. You know, yeah. Wyoming guys, Idaho guys. Everybody's kind of the same. Just, I mean, there's pockets where it's doing better, pockets where it's doing worse. Right. A lot of that depends on where cattle are at. You know, cattle are kind of level, trending down a little bit. And so that could affect the hay market also yeah. um, in some of those pockets. But yeah, overall, I would say hay is good right now. Yep. Alfalfa hay is another one of those things, too, that, that really trends with the uh, what you see happen with the dairy market as well. So when that starts to kind of go down a little bit, you start seeing it there. But it's one of those things, too, that they have to buy it. They have to feed the cows, right? So it's it's one of those things that, you know, there's ebbs and flows like you talked about earlier, but it seems like it's the dairy market does have a big effect on on the overall price of hay. Yeah. All right, man. So let's jump into some equipment equipment talk right now. So I imagine where you guys are out, you're out there doing, uh, you know, big four by four, three by four type bales, those kind of stuff. So talk about that baler market a little bit and what you see happening there. Yeah, we have a lot of four by four guys. We're starting to see a shift of more of the three by fours. We have hay presses out here. A lot of the hay presses want three by four bales more than they want four by four bales. Uh, the export guys want three by four bales. Uh, but a lot of the dairies is where they really want the four by four bales. So we still have a pretty strong four by four market, but we're seeing it switch and go to the three by four market a little bit more. So I see that transition continuing more guys start, you know, shipping their hay further and, and getting it out of their area. I think we'll probably start seeing more and more three by four balers being sold here and less four by fours. So what are you doing to combat that right now? I mean, the uh, crux, I guess, of, of this business, if you look at it, you know, when you start seeing that trend line happen, you just got to start making some decisions on how you're going to start either, especially in your position, how you're going to position yourself with new product and then how you're going to position yourself with maybe an, uh, a product that has lost its luster that used to be a, a big seller for you. You know, we're starting, I mean, we started the last uh, year or so. We're just ordering less four by four balers, more three by four balers as we see that happening. I mean, there will always be a four by four market. I think there's just guys that that's, you know, that's what they prefer. The big farms that are feeding their own hay, they're set up for four by four, so they don't have a reason to change. And so I think we'll still, you know, always see those four by fours, but we've just tried to follow that trend a little bit every year, depending on where we're selling them and are ordering less four by fours, more three by fours in, and then just kind of watching it. You know, with the Baylors, we also have the tandem axles and the single axles, right. and that's that we have to watch because there's guys out there that absolutely will not run one or the other you know if they're a tandem guy they're a tandem guy and you can't pay me enough to sit or pull a single Mm -hmm. and vice versa and so that's that's another challenge that we face is you know when you're trying to i mean the new side is fairly easy we know the guys that want tandems we know the guys that want singles we can track that demand year to year but on the use side it can it poses a little bit of a problem because if you've got all the single guys trading one year. And so you've got a lot of single bailers, but you got tandem used buyers. Then, you know, we have to play that game too and try to make sure we're bringing in both in at the same time and, and keep it flowing. 
Okay, so do you, do you feel like that three by four market trending more towards the niched market for the the export side, or do you feel like there's going to be some local guy feeding their own stuff kind of transition more into that? Do you feel, I guess, is kind of listen to what you say there? Yeah, I mean, I the local guys are also transitioning um, mm-hmm. a little bit more to the three by four, and a lot of it is on shipping. The reason that they are transitioning, the guys at the hay is staying local. Where I'm located at in Kimberly in Idaho, Kimberly, Idaho, we're sitting here and we've got dairies. I mean, I can see dairies from our office windows. I mean, there are just a lot of dairies around. And so the guys that are producing hay for dairies and the dairies want four by fours, you know, those guys will keep doing four by four bales because they ship it right down the street or the dairies loaded up from the fields themselves. But the guys that are, are not, I guess, contracted with dairies or don't have their hay sold before they put it up and are shipping it those are the guys that seem to be looking more three by four right now yeah so in your area do you have a do you have a round bill presence or is it more commercial stuff that the guys are doing we're mostly commercial we yeah. do have some i mean we cover down into nevada a little bit and then wyoming you know we've got stores on the border there and so wyoming's a round baler market so we definitely have round bale balers going into those areas mm-hmm. but you know where i'm at we really don't have a lot around balers at all. Yeah, just the bulk of it's just going to be the commercial side, the, the large square bale stuff. Yep. We'll get back to Casey and Jordan in a moment, but first a quick word from the company who made this podcast possible. Iron Solutions has deep roots in the ag industry with products for producers, dealers, manufacturers, ag retailers, and service providers. Visit www.ironsolutions.com to see solutions that streamline your operations, improve productivity, reduce costs, and speed your growth. Let's get back to the program now as Casey and Jordan talk about the swathing market and how both new and used units are moving in agri-services area. They also get into the 150 to 200 horsepower tractor and bale processor markets. All right, so let's talk about what you see happening in the swather market. So you can't have one without the other. So as you take a look at some of these swathers, it feels like to me the swather market, especially on the youth side of the business right now, is is very hot. There's a there's not I don't know hot's probably not the right word, but very consistent and very steady. That we have plenty of demand for for used uh, windrowers. So talk about that market right now. What you see happening in your area? Yeah, it's definitely the same. I mean. Yeah, I don't know if hot's the right word, but it's definitely right now we are we are moving windrowers. We, you know, starting the season this last spring, I was a little bit concerned about where we were at on the use side, but right now we've burned through, you know, a lot of those a lot of those machines where right now the sales guys are looking saying, "Hey, you need some more. We need some more used swathers because we got guys that want to buy them." And so uh, that's been good. Our new market is also picked up a lot we're selling a lot of new units also so uh, i would say the swather market right now is is hotter than the baylor market which usually they kind of run together but right now the baylors seem to be shifting up and the windrows are kind of slowing down just a little bit and so maybe it's just tracking behind them this year but yeah the hay market or the our hay machines are definitely moving right now pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. So when you look at um, the overall on the new side of the business, when you're taking a look at that, is there a shift in the market where you're seeing one, one conditioner in your area that's maybe kind of starting to become a prevalent one, or has it always been the same thing? Uh, we sell more double conditioners than we do single conditioners. Yeah. Uh, all the, I shouldn't say all, but I would say the majority of the big producers are running double conditioners. Yeah, they, they are definitely doubles. We do have some, we have a couple big guys running singles and a lot of it is just, you know, conditions where they're at, you know, if they're heavy due, if they're, if they get rainfall, yeah, you know, every 
the evening. They those guys sometimes don't want the doubles, but overall, if they're if they're a decent sized producer or exporter, they want the double conditioner. So we do yeah. sell a lot of those. You have much triple mountain business out there with the front the front PTOs and tractors and stuff. You have any anything like that going on out there? We've got a couple of them. Uh, some dairies that are running them that are just chopping right behind them, and so they're yeah they do have those. But we there's only a couple of them that I can think of that are running those. Not very many people using them to actually bail with. They're just run it to to do the forage aspect, but kind of speed that process up. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Just forage. I got gotcha. you. Okay, that makes sense. I guess. I mean, you're laying down three rows at a time, so you can definitely get across that field thirty feet thirty feet wide. Usually, you can yeah. knock down quite a bit pretty quick. All right. So when you look at what's going on with those balers that you see out there, that 150 to 200 horsepower tractor has got to be a, a pretty big seller for you. So what do you see happening in that marketplace? You know, our our tractor market is. I mean, we have a pretty good sized tractor market out here. Obviously, with with all the row crops we do and then with the hay i would say the 150 to 200 horse tractors are moving pretty good it seems the over 200 have slugged a little bit slowed down yeah but that 150 to 200 seems to be a real sweet spot so especially pulling these balers the balers you know the three by fours you know most guys want to have 150 horse just to make sure they can handle that weight so that 150 to 200 is what guys want to bail with and so you know for us that's a good area or a good spot of a tractor is that a pretty much a dual threat tractor with you guys out there with the baler and then also as a chore tractor kind of feed tractor those kind of things something to, to uh, feed wagons and those kind of things is that is that kind of where that's that tractor's falling into that niche yeah yeah some of the guys that run you know the pull uh, feed boxes or mm-hmm. manure spreaders go a little bit bigger they go in that 205 to 250 range but right. you know a lot of them will still use their smaller ones for that too gotcha yep is there a lot of bell processors out there right now working is that a, is that a pretty big business for you guys um, we sell a handful. I mean, the, the bell processors we sell, uh, we sell a lot of them to either feedlots or guys feeding mother cows. There's a handful of dairies that run bell processors. I mean, a lot of guys will use, and maybe, and maybe this is what you're referring to, but we got the feed boxes that'll have the processor in that right. chop up to eliminate that. Yeah. So, you know, all, every dairy's got at least one, if not two, you know, feed box slash processors. And so mm-hmm. there's a fair amount of them running around. We have a, a few uh, pretty good sized feedlots that also, you know, running them around too. Yeah. When you uh, take a look at what's going on right now, and, and you got all this, you got all these different factors weighing into the market. You got trade, you've got weather, you've got low commodity prices, you got beef prices that are kind of bouncing all over the place with the Tyson fire a couple of weeks ago. It's just a lot of uncertainty out there. So when you take a look at your your marketplace between now and the end of the year, I what's your uh what's your feel for the market what's your kind of crystal ball say to you you know i'm optimistic i guess i'm i'm usually optimistic and so i look at it and i say you know our hay price is good you know our early spuds or not early spuds but our fresh pack spuds right now are looking good most of those are contracted so the project projections are good on those you know i'm i'm optimistic that we'll have a good year end that there'll be guys that need to buy equipment look at rolling it out so i'm optimistic with everything that's going on i mean the weather's something we can't control. It's <laughs> I wish I wish we could. <laughs> right, no uh, kidding, right? Yeah, that uh, you know that we can't we can't control, and so I just look at it and you know I guess I'm optimistic. I don't think it's going to be a massive, huge. Right. You know, everybody's thrilled out of their mind running running in here to buy equipment. 
us or any other dealership, but I feel that there'll be, there'll be plenty of guys that'll need to buy equipment. So. Yep. No, I, I'm with it. Kind of have that cautious optimism myself. That's yeah. kind of where I'm at. You know, there's, I think there's going to be enough stuff towards the end of the year that we're going to see a, a bit of a, a spike that we haven't seen in a while, but I think there's also going to be some, uh, I think the first year is going to be some, be some more, kind of carry over a little bit i think i just feel like there's going to be some good things happen what how do you feel about next year i mean you can take a look at, at 2020 as a whole i know it's a long ways away but um it'll be here before you know it kind of when you look out there do you feel kind of the same same view on, on kind of what you're looking at or do you have maybe some reservations about heading into an election year like we're going into yeah it always you know the election years always seem to I don't know. They make me a little bit nervous just because you never know what's going to happen. It seems like right. everything goes up so quickly. Right. Uh, I think it'll be good. I think we'll still have a good year. You know, I hope commodities stay so the farmers can make money. Uh, it'll be interesting to see. One thing that, that I'm really curious to see how it plays out is the, the tax law change on the leases. Yeah. You know, we have, it's interesting. We have farmers asking us, you know, what we feel about it and asking us the details. And it's like, you need to talk to your account about that. Cause I don't <laughs> right. want to give any bad advice. Yeah, I'm not going to give you that. Um, yeah. But we've got some guys that are looking instead of these leases that they've always had, they're looking at buying out their current leases, keeping them, you know? And so that'll be interesting to see what happens. Cause there are a lot of guys that want to buy equipment on a lease just because they want that payment. But if the incentive isn't there to do that, or it's, you know, messes up their balance sheet, then I guess, I, I don't know how that'll happen. It, it could mm-hmm. potentially slow down sales if guys want to purchase it and run it longer, you know, where they don't have that benefit. So that's one thing that I'm kind of, I guess I'm cautiously watching it, seeing how it's going to play out here and, and yeah. if that'll affect this, if any, you know. Yeah. So. Well, it's been the least uh, for, I think for, I mean, I'm not going to say just for me, I'm pretty sure I can broad stroke this here, but the leases have been a big part of the overall equipment business for the past five years you know it feels like um and every year every year gets a little bit stronger than it was the year before and it, we're in that marketplace where guys are looking at a payment more than they're looking at their equity positions and those kind of things they're just trying to figure out what the best cost of operation is going to be and I, yeah. i've said it on here a couple of times but i think i think leasing's here to say i think some of these bigger operators are going to start you know looking at at their equipment as more of a widget you know get a get a job done and not have that emotional attachment that we've seen in the past you know 10 or 15 years ago to that piece of equipment so i feel like you know that the leasing is going to have a have a stay now when you start looking at how it's going to start dictating uh, balance sheets and what that looks like that that could that could change that theory pretty quick so that's something to pay yeah. attention to man no doubt about it all right jordan well you know we've uh, we've been going here for a little while and I really appreciate you being on the show. If folks want to check out AgriService and what that is, what's the best place for them to do that? We've got a, our websites, uh, agriservice.com, A-G-R-I-Service.com. Check out our website. It's actually getting redone right now, so be patient as that transition takes place. But, uh, yeah, they can find out all about us out on there. Right on. All right, Jordan, now got your website there for AgriService. Now, if folks want to reach out and talk to you directly, what's the best way to do that? So they can call uh, here at the office, numbers 208-734-7772. They can even call my cell phone if they want, 435-770-7850. Always glad to talk to anyone. Right on. Well, Jordan, I really appreciate you being on the podcast, man, and I will uh, look forward to seeing you again, and we'll catch you down the road, bud. Thanks, Casey and Jordan. We've got even more used equipment remarketing resources that we're sending your way. 
In addition to this podcast, we're also tapping into Casey's expertise across all our informational channels. If you've got a question for Casey, I'd encourage you to head over to farm-equipment.com backslash expert. Submit a question and we'll get Casey's answer to it up on our Ask the Expert blog. Thanks once again to Iron Solutions for sponsoring this series. Iron Solutions provides dealers like you with an array of lifecycle management services that drive sales and profits. The Iron Search and Iron Guide suite of solutions is all about managing each dealership more efficiently and profitably, while Iron Search allows you to directly showcase your used equipment online to a wider universe of buyers. Visit www.ironsolutions.com today. And you can keep up on the latest industry news by registering online to receive our free newsletters. Visit www.farm-equipment.com. For Casey and Jordan, as well as our entire staff here at Farm Equipment, I'm Kim Schmidt. Thanks for listening.